guys, and welcome to the How to Publish Your Book podcast. I'm Ashley Shannon, and I'm here with my host, Carrie McAvoy, and we are doing an, our first AMA, which, if you don't know, stands for Ask Me Anything. Funny fact, I didn't know what that was until I set up our Patreon. <laughs> I know, I thought, is this American, Medi- American Medical Association? That's what I thought. Oh, you would think that. <laughs> I know, I know, exactly. Yeah, so great to jo- have you guys join us today. I'm excited. Me too. Um, before we get like um, into questions or whatever, um, a little bit of housekeeping. You guys can get access to these once a month if you join our lovely Discord community, which you can find the link to that in the show notes down below. I always want to say the doobly do because I watched way too much John Green on YouTube. He's like in the in the thingy in the in the, in the doobly do. <laughs> All right, guys. So my first question for you guys is how are you enjoying the community so far? Because we're small, but I feel like we're kind of mighty. But I want to know your guys' take. That means you have to unmute, Jonathan. (laughs) What makes you think I I was going to (laughs) talk? You just going to say here, that would be a really boring podcast episode if you didn't talk. Well, I guess I could say it's small so far, but you know it's kind of getting people every every so on, and they're all seem lovely. And there's lots of lots of channels to talk on, and there's definitely quite a few which are getting chat, and it's been really interesting so far to see what people have to say, and to see what people are asking questions about as well. I've really liked seeing yeah kind of what people have questions about and then there's a lot of like random conversations like I'll get notifications on my phone and all of a sudden then one notification was just a rat emoji and I was like what are they talking about <laughs> I saw that today <laughs> what was, was that about following the other the, the other conversation they were talking about uh Lorca Hamilton and the Anita Blake stories and it was actually it was Tuesday wasn't it um you said you're sister got a signed copy yeah my sister is a huge laurel k hamilton fan and she actually married a Raphael, so she was so excited when that book came out so he surprised her and got her a autographed copy of it so she was do you know much about the stories themselves um just a, just what she's told me i i read the first book and it was good um i i have a hard time like just jumping into a series because I feel like there's been a few that I've read but I feel like there's so many books out there that I want to read so if I commit to a series I might be giving up all these other ones that I want to read (laughs) (laughs) I mean she's been going the Anita Blake series has been going since the early 80s is it um yeah Yeah. it's been going for a long time um she's very prolific and um, but they're, they're, they're good fun. Like the first book, I think mean, you're reading the first book, Carrie, at the moment. Is that right? Sort of, sort of. I found it a very, very quick book to read when I first read it. Um, yeah. But I've been back. And the thing is, I'm like, I'm, apart from Raphael, I'm up to date on the books. I, I tend to consume them quite quickly uh, once they're out. Um, and I've gone back and not reread all of them, and not in order. I kind of, one, one time I went back and read like, one, three, five, seven. And like, then I tried to stick to that and then I kind of fell off that and kind of just read whatever I wanted to read um, of, of the series. But they're, they're like, 
it's not a series I kind of like necessarily feel comfortable talking to people about that much because not many people know know what they are and it's a lot it's a lot to explain because it's such a big series um but they, they are they are fun they do change over time as well you probably heard that um, I, I like her character uh, development I think is amazing it just seems like yeah. even the the what you'd consider a small character you know you feel like you know them inside and out that's what I, I like a lot about her writing. And she's got another series, um, I think it's called Anita Blake. And uh, my sister really likes that one too. These, these ones are Anita Blake ones, but the Mary Gentry novels are- Mary, Yeah, that's of, the one, Yeah, Sorry. they're, they're uh, like fairy kingdom kind of, but um, similar sort of style, but talking about all the fae. Yeah, I've heard of them, I've never read any. I want, I want to read some actually. I should, I should have by now. Lilani had recommended that I read them because she said that they had uh, did a good job in including uh, intimacy and uh, did sex scenes well. So, <laughs> but I'm still in, I have to admit, I'm only in chapter one. I haven't really gotten into that yet. So I haven't, I haven't seen what that's what she's talking about, but I've read a The really funny thing about Lorca Hamilton, sorry to cut you off, is that like the books are essential because the vampires, the vampires are most kind of versions of vampires are quite sensual creatures and I've got like you know werewolves and all that um but for the first few books like Anita is like she's like got Christian faith she's like Episcopalian I think um and she's like you know she, she's a good girl <laughs> um and then after I think it's book four book five that that what that wagon has fallen off not to spoil it for you, this is probably something you've heard already. <laughs> if no, you've I ever didn't like, know that. talked to someone about thanks. reading these books, thanks for the um, no, it's way to ruin it's, it. Uh, it's, it's coming, it's not ruining anything. Um, they just if you think the book, the series is going to stay sort of non sexual, I you should know by now <laughs> that <laughs> well, or someone should have someone should have warned you because they get incredibly sexual. But I think one thing that Laura Cameron's very good at doing is making most of the time making those intimacy, those sexual kind of relationships and the themes that they're in kind of story relevant mm-hmm. um which i think is actually quite in, in in the context of how they're being used and the, the amount of them at times um that's quite impressive to make this kind of thought. I, I understand why this is happening and i can see why it's led to this or why this is necessary at a time that is a matter of necessity which is probably hard to understand if you don't understand the context it's sometimes very necessary for that particular relationship to kind of hit that level at that time yeah well yeah i'm excited i'm looking forward to it because i'm working on a romance novel right now and in fact i'm coming up fast on a sex scene so i'm trying to figure out how to do that and what it's going to look like and so that's how that's what it looks like <laughs> yeah. like that actually thank you well i Spend did know that sure. I, yeah, I, I do write. I do do write about it already elsewhere, but that this thought help you in out. Real with life that. is um is, is polyamorous. In case I forgot. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Are you okay there, Ashley? Yeah. By the way, guys, but I do in, edit in real in real extensively. life. Uh, <laughs> Laurel LKH is polyamorous. I'm not sure if that was the case when she was she first started writing the books, but it's something that has become part of her lifestyle since over the over the last sort of thirty years, and it's something that does come into play in the novel in the novels later as well. Which is really interesting because you're getting like that first hand experience kind of coming to play. 
interesting. Which is interesting to see for someone yeah, who, see her for a, long, a, a large part of my life, was quite vanilla. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I'll be curious. Now you got really piqued my interest. The nice thing is those books are part of Kindle Unlimited, so I get to read them for free. <laughs> it's funny though, Raphael, the character, was in the very first book, but hasn't played a big part in many of the books since. The Were-Rats as a whole have been there, but haven't really been heavily involved. So this is the first book, this Raphael one, which is like book like 26, 27, like that, which is really like focusing on the rats as a species wow. and the culture of what they are as were creatures, which is I'm looking forward to. Well, now that I'm going to stop geeking out now. <laughs> if it's book 27 and 24, I know why you're hesitant to get committed to it. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's just too many books to read in a lifetime. So, you know. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize yet that was that long of a series. That's an interesting question. So you guys have a hard time committing to a series that's longer than how many books? Like, is there a, a ballpark? Like, because you guys um, all apparently have commitment issues. So what, what is the level? The longest series I think I read was The Game of Thrones. And it seriously pisses me off that he hasn't flipping finished it. So when you write books that big at 300 words a day, it's going to take a long time. <laughs> I know, but come on. <laughs> um, any of you read Robert Jordan's series, Wheel of Time? He had Brandon Sanderson come in and finish because he passed away. That's what's going to happen to George R.R. R. Martin. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just curious because I'm working on a 20 book series. And so I'm wondering if that, like, does that spark commitment issues like is should I should I be working on a series that's shorter um I'm just interested to kind of get your guys's take well, I don't think well, I'm the norm I, I don't think I'm the norm because I, I talk to a lot of people who are you know once they find an author that they love and the care and the character that they love they will read as many as you put out there I just um I don't know if it's an author I really like um than a trilogy or you know something like that um i that's just me though i i don't know i, I have like commitment issues as you put it <laughs> hey I, I thought that was like me being nice like <laughs> i don't you know i've read i've read really long series too in fact i get more frustrated when a writer takes too long between them I, re I used to read, uh, I think I'm trying to think of her name, JV, or JV something or other. She wrote uh, fantasy. The first one's called, I think, Fire and Ice. And she would, she would take like four to five, six years in between her books or installments. And that, I would even forget who she was. I'd have to like go back to my Goodreads account to remember to keep track of that. So I, I never found the, the, the number that was a concern. It was more of, can they, can I not forget who they are in between, mm -hmm. which I know that you, you plan to do a rapid release. And on top of it, you're also not talking thousand page tomes either. That's true. They're 20,000 words, um, very short little episodes. Um, and they are released when they get released, um, at every two weeks. So mm -hmm. It's, um, but it is, that is still like a year or like part of a year um, mm -hmm. to get them all out. Um, 
I let's see. I never finished Game of Thrones. Um, I still have to finish the last book. Um, I guess maybe like the Dexter yeah, series. What? The last one's not out yet. Right. No, I mean the last, I mean, the last one. Like it's out. not done. How could you finish it? Yeah. <laughs> No, the last one that's out, I think it's Dance of Dragons. I haven't finished that one, but like, I mean, Harry Potter was long. Dexter, Dexter I, was like tenor. Um, oh, True Blood, there was like twelve or thirteen of those. I don't think I finished that one either, though, because <laughs> I got mad. <laughs> I don't think it's off putting to me in the same way that it's off putting for like a TV show. Like I, I've heard so many like sort of mixed but generally good things about Grey's Anatomy but knowing this 15 series just makes me go I'm not gonna I'm never gonna watch that um whereas whenever I started reading the LKH books there was already like 15 15 16 books out um and that I, I was never kind of I was like well I want to check them out and see if see if I like them and if I don't like them I won't read them all <laughs> um it was never a case that so it's so it's kudos to her that I am um, and the characters that I then went through and read every single one of them, and you know, I've reread some of them, uh, and that's like, I, 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 it's that's not me saying they're they're amazing books, and you these you're, you're going to feel the same way about them, but I just they're kind of they appeal to sort of my pulpy like supernatural kind of vibes that I like to get when I read books, and they are generally quite consumable. Um, but yeah, I don't get off it by the number of books because you you know. You don't have to read them, but I think it's in a way that, like Carrie mentioned, there's no six years between them. You you know what you've got more books to read as soon as you put down the one you've just finished, which is great. That's I, true. Yeah, I, I'm thinking back to Robert Jordan, where he lost me was by book nine, and his was big too. They're like tomes, it's like um, not quite as big as J.R.R. Martin's, but very long. Was it became formulaic, and that was the problem. So it wasn't it wasn't the number of books. It was just that it it ceased to feel new, fresh. And then I lost interest, but I hear they picked up, they got better again. So, um, so that, that's what matters to me. And that's, is, is can the writer sustain the pace and sustain the complexity and keep it uh, variable enough to make it interesting? I'm thinking of, I don't know how many of you've read Garth Nix's work. He's more of a YA or even, um, he, He's not, I wouldn't say he's Harry Potter, but I also, but yet he's closer to that end, maybe like a, like high school, older, middle, middle school age. Um, I love his series. I think he does a really fascinating, very, they're very kind of bizarre stories, but he'll have, some of them are quite long. Um, one was like, uh, for every day of the week, he had one that was a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday series, and they were really interesting, so. So no, to me, it's not the number. It's just can the author, can the author pull it off? So no pressure. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no pressure at all, Ashley. I, I like the idea that they're quick reads like that because I, I mean, I will sit down and go through multiple books that ha will have like twenty short stories in them. You know what I mean? So because mm -hmm. I, I love short stories. So if it's a shorter read like that, I don't think, I don't think it's the number of books. Plus you can't base any of your, any of your decisions on what I say, Ashley. <laughs> 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 
But you're you're not it. that far off from my target reader. I mean, you like to read horror. I'm writing zombie books. Like they're kind of, you know, um, mine aren't going to be like super guts and gory, obviously, because they're YA. But, um, you know, so it's just kind of um, trying to look at it from a reader's perspective, because I know that I like episodic fiction. Um, I like serials. I'm in the middle of a, I think it's 25 book series. Um, that's just called Dragon School and it's a YA series um, and they're you know and you can get they're in Kindle Unlimited and you can get like the five book bundle or whatever and so I've been reading through those and it is really nice to know that like you can keep going because they are kind of short but um, um, one of the first serials I've ever, ever read was called Yesterday's Gone so it's like a post-apocalyptic um, adult fantasy or whatever and um it was like put in like seasons like there was like and when they first released them you know it was like once a week and then they would take some time off it was just like a tv show and I love that stuff Mm -hmm. um so I'm just trying to figure out you know if it's a viable product for multiple people and readers or if this is just like me being super (laughs) self-indulgent like I'm gonna write this way I like it (laughs) well that remains to be seen. I'm still waiting for my editor to finish reading the first one. So. I think I think part of what's fun is when when a, a writer does a really good job with world building. I'm thinking, for example, of the Dragons of Pern series with Anne McCaffrey. Now I'm really dating myself because that's 1980s, but um, you know she had a lot of books. They weren't necessarily tied together, mm. but there was a whole bunch of books in that general large world that I really loved. And I also thinking of Frank Herbert with Dune. He did the same thing. He didn't necessarily had them built off each other necessarily, but he had a lot of books that were spun off on that world system. So I think that's a kind of another fun way to think about some of this sometimes too. That's what I'm doing with this romance novel. I wanna, I'm already set up in the first book where I met somebody I plan to follow and have her be, I have planned to have her be a, a, somebody we, we pursue in another story, you know, another storyline, so. Hey, I like another that person idea. that just joined us. So. Yeah, hey, Leilani. Are you going to come talk to me? <laughs> I don't have much to say. I guess I'm just listening right now. <laughs> Although I can tell you that a great series is Kim Harrison. She does The Hollows. It's urban fantasy. And she's got, um, she's on fifth, the 15th book. I like, if I find a book, an author that I like, I love it when they have heaps of books because then it gives me lots to read. Um Another series that I really like, it's Janet Ivanovich. And she does mystery, kind of, and her characters are hilarious. I laugh out loud a lot of times when I'm reading her books. Well, you're She's the one who like recommended 20. Laurel Laurel Hammond, Hamilton. Yep. So that's yep. what we got started writing, talking about was Laurel uh, okay. series. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that was a good one. I had finished them all. I didn't know she had a new one out. Yeah, it's a Mary Gent or something like that. Mary Gentry, I think. Yeah, there's those ones. Mm-hmm. But I heard you guys talk or saw you talking about Raphael. I, I, it's been a while since I've read him, but he was the Rat King. Yeah. Is that correct? Okay, yeah. That is correct. Um, yeah, the Mary Gentry ones kind of, I think she tends to try and do like one of each every year, for the last few years at least. Um, so there's quite a few Mary Gentry books as well. They kind of run concur- like concurrently with each other, but um, they don't overlap. 
Although we have had, there was one book which did kind of, it was set in Ireland, and that was about as close as, as close as Anita Blake version, like books got to including like the Fae as a species, um, was when Anita and her like troop went to Ireland for a, for a book. Yep. You couldn't, you couldn't really get away without mentioning like sort of Fae. Yeah, I remember that one. That was the one where the um, the people would kind of turn. They were like partial shifters, but not quite totally and stuff. You guys have got to stop spoiling this for me. I didn't even know these <laughs> books existed until the rat emoji today. <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're not spoiling it. Like, like literally, like, you know, we're talking about events which you have no idea of the context of these things. So it's fine. Nothing spoiled. No, but by the time, by the time I get to the point, I'm like... Books, like <laughs> I'm going to get to the oh, point know like, that. oh, yeah, Ireland. <laughs> I remember. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, like, literally, that's for location for the book. So, like, that's, like, nothing to do with what's going on in the story, really. Well, that's not fun. And I, I'm being being in, I'm, I'm in Northern Ireland. I managed not to be offended by the book, which is, which is quite refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so this is actually, like, an AMA. So I want to know, since you guys are here... If you guys have any questions from Carrie and I, so you get our undivided attention for about 35 more minutes. I mean, it could go longer. I don't care. <laughs> I got one. Mm -hmm. um, I am trying to put together a CTA for my newest publication, um, The Fat and Sassy. And... Oh, is that I, you? Yeah. <laughs> it keeps coming list. up on my Instagram and I'm just like, who is this? I will follow. <laughs> I'm stalking you. <laughs> um, I, uh, I just, I have no, I have no idea. Like it's such a, um, it's not as niche as anything else I've ever done. And I, I mean, I like the, I want to keep it broader. Um, I kind of want to molded into like a um, lifestyle type publication. Um, so I just, I have no idea where to even start on coming up with CTA. I'm nothing. Do you have a sense of who your typical reader will be? Um, probably late thirties through 50 year old women, more than likely. Okay. Okay. So tell me the, um, um, the premise. Yeah. The message. Yeah. Tell me that. Um, it's just basically, I wrote a, I wrote this dumb little article, um, a year ago and it did really well in PS I love you. And it was just about my grandma who was like 80 pounds and every time you asked her how she was, she'd say, oh, fat and sassy. So I kind of just turned that on its head um, and thought like, you know, well, what the, does that really mean? So um, I want to focus in on like, she was always really big supporters on no matter what any of her grandkids wanted to do. So I want to include a thread there about following your passions um, just living authentically as yourself, um, you know, doing what you need to do, but then also doing what you want to do and finding that balance. Does that make sense? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess the hardest thing about coming up with the CTA for like gist um, was it kind of the same thing. Like, what am I supposed to like? This is a publication where we basically just write stories about crappy situations that have happened to us. <laughs> and so it's kind of like, um, it's kind of, it was kind of hard. Um, and I actually think that my CTA needs to be tweaked. But what I did is I came up with a um, uh, an infographic that was just like the three things that I do when I feel like my life isn't together. So like, you know, um, I try to do it every Sunday and I, you know, do business stuff and then self-care stuff and then cleaning stuff. And then usually I start off my week in a, in a good place, basically. So it's like the three steps to getting your shit together is what I give them. Um, I think it's a little bit too much. Um, it doesn't convert as well as I would like. Um, and so I think finding one thing. So um, even if you're giving them like a blog post, like another blog post that you haven't posted anywhere else, which is like, um, you know, this one thing uh, helped me find my authenticity or um, helped me gain confidence to uh, be my best self or something like that. And I think Carrie would actually be really good with this. Um, one, because she's a psychologist and two, because she has some really good like opt-ins or um, MVPs, minimal viable products. Well, my, my first thought was, I was listening to Zeta was when the reason I even asked you your typical reader was what was, what do you think their pain point is? So is it, what is wearing them down or affecting them or um, shaping their view on life and each day? Do you have a, do you think you might have a guess on that? I think, I think it's, um, I think it's the struggle to, to figure out most women know what they need to do. <laughs> um, what, especially those with, you know, family, spouse, you know, whatever. Everybody's got commitments. So I think it's figuring out what you want to do and how to embrace that. You know, how do, how do you have both? And, mm-hmm. and because I think if you go through life and you just do everything you need to do, that would be absolutely miserable. Mm-hmm. So I think... Um, yeah, finding how many that, of us are doing that right yeah exactly yeah i i don't know and i i guess um some of this is because i'm older um and you know i don't need to be there as much for my kids um you know it opens up this space and you're like well, what the hell do i do with this so right, right, right. um which is how the writing thing got started for me but i guess i just i want this publication where you know, if somebody clicks on it and finds an article, I want those articles to help them or at least inspire them to jump in with both feet, you know, see what, right. you never know what you can do. So, well, what one take I had as I was That's listening way too to broad, you, isn't it? No, no, not at all. One thing ta- ta- I had as I was listening to you is your using your grandma's comment of being I'm fat and sassy. I mean, I think that there, that gives you a bit, a bit of a, um, idea it's a it's a great idea to to leap off of and that you're really talking about how to make life content how to make life full and i think you can make it a playoff of even sharing that story about your grandmother and how she applied that 
that motto to her life and then maybe turn that into a takeaway, uh, maybe some exercises that they could do to make turn that into something for their life. Like, for example, one thought I had was gratitude. Um, we hear a lot about it, but I wonder how many people, when they hear it, actually know what does a practice of gratitude look like. Okay. It's just an idea. I'm, I'm just brainstorming here. I'm not yeah. saying do that. I'm just saying, you know, I'm, you're right. Fat, with anything, I'm even thinking of my publication, Unapologetically Real. I don't have a CTA for that as well. And now that you're- Have talking, I taught you nothing? <laughs> I know. Now that you're saying this, I'm thinking, hmm, interesting. Um, but, you know, I know what the point of that publication is, and that is to- it is to encourage bold, transparent um, communication. It's, it's to live authentically. And so probably a better fit CTA for me would be some kind of a practice that gets us in touch with what keeps us from being authentic people. What about three mantras, three daily mantras you can use to live a more authentic life? Right. And then you just have to write them sentences that they could say in the mirror. Like right. I or am, for her, fat whatever. and sassy. Three mantras <laughs> that would capture the fat and sassy uh, philosophy, you know? Yeah, that's perfect because that was kind of your grandma's mantra, right? right? And that's right, like right. the whole premise of the, pub mm -hmm. the publication. So maybe just a little worksheet yeah. about how they can create their own mantras to help them live a more authentic life. Yeah, and I think the other thing that's really important on a CTA is to have an effective call line that is converse. So, you know, to me, I, I'm thinking of asking a question of are you, uh, how, how content would you say you are with your life? Or do you ever find yourself at the end of the day wondering what you've done for you or something like that? The sort of like captures a, a sentence of how many women might feel at the end of the day that means that they are not living the most fat and sassy life. Are you exhausted when you put your kids to bed and drink too much wine? <laughs> Or not enough wine. Yeah, exactly. It's coffee. It's or you, you ever wonder if this is the best that it gets when you put your kid at three? Yeah, exactly. Are you barely surviving? Oh my God. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm going to make that an audio clip. <laughs> have you ever listened to those podcasts where they have like a soundboard and so like they'll be talking or whatever and then they'll do like an audio clip? Like that's going to be one of those ones where it's just going to be like, are you barely survive. Yes. Sorry. I, I like that idea. And I will say when it comes to the wording of the CTA, so not the actual like product, but like mm -hmm. the wording of the CTA, Carrie is phenomenal at that. Not that she's not phenomenal at the product. Wow. I just put my foot in my mouth. She's phenomenal at all of that. But mine is very much just like, here's this thing, take it. Like, you know? Yeah. And so she's really good at like asking questions and hers, all of hers convert better than mind put together <laughs> so well it's all about yeah I mean how many years experience do I have as a psychologist asking questions yeah but yeah it, it's about trying to get to some to, to in fact you don't want you want I can tell you some things to think about don't ever ask the question why people cannot answer why questions you just want to avoid them you want to use how where and when because those are much easier if you think about it is why did you do that i don't know that's what you're going to hear most of the time but you say uh what 
what happened when you did that? We can answer that question. Or um, how did it happen? We can tell you how it happened. So that's the first thing is to do that. And the second thing I often think about is I try to get to the core, the core concern. Like I have one is uh, it's about the dangerousness of a relationship. So I ask, have you ever wondered if your relationship goes beyond toxic and might even be dangerous? There's, I mean, you know, when people are in a, an abusive relationship, like, shit, yeah, I have. I don't want to think about that, but you know, I have wondered about that. So you, you want to kind of try to touch on something that is sort of a, a half semi-aware question that people have in the back of their minds. So in yours might be, it's it's touching on a woman's sense of life isn't enough. So you want to ask something that kind of maybe something you've asked yourself at the end of the day, is this the best that it gets or uh, will it ever get better? Or what happens if I don't make a change now and I'm like this in 10 years from now, something, there's some statement that goes through your head at night when you're feeling like that question of doubt about the quality of your life. And that's the question that will really grab people's attention for your CTA. I just need to re start recording this myself so I can go back through and just write down every single thing you just said. Well, the good news, we are. So yeah, we're recording and, and you'll get, you guys will have access to this yeah. for sure. Um, oh, thank you very much. Both of you. You're welcome. I also find, and surveys are another really great way to get people's attention is to even have them ask a series of questions, you know, take a topic and then break it down into pieces. And it's not actually that hard to do. So um, people like to do that. That's really, they find they're, they're often like curious about themselves. So um, that's another idea just to throw out there is to create a little mini survey. Okay. You say curious about yourself. And when you said that, I was like, yeah, that's why I take so many BuzzFeed quizzes every day to figure out what Disney princess I am. <laughs> Wait, which one are you? Mulan. Mulan. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh. Which is fitting because I used to do drag. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> So how, how is things going for you, Zeta? How's, how's the writing and all? And, and you know, um, I, yesterday was the, the writing is going okay. I just have some personal stuff going on right now that is like super chaotic and little bit leading me to the edge. So yesterday when I posted, so happy I finally got something out. And then I realized I had to go back. This is embarrassing. I had to go back four times and fix something or add something. I literally didn't finish a sentence in one part um, and then republish it quick. So that's not normal for me at all. So, um, so I decided to take the rest of the weekend off and then uh, start again on Monday. <laughs> Well, let me tell you a little story. So I started writing right after I lost my husband and I started on Quora. And so I would wake up in the middle of the night because I wasn't sleeping great. I wonder why. And then I would answer questions and I would fall asleep answering the questions. Literally, I am not kidding you. I would answer in my sleep. 
And so oh you'd go back the next day and it was gobbledygook. I am not kidding you. So my, I had a friend that was watching my content. She was, ah, uh, I think you need to go back and clean up this last answer. So in the morning I'd go back, like literally have to like, and I would like, I would, I was actually answering them in my sleep. I'm not exact. So I totally get what you're saying. One thing I have found that, uh, I, I have found that keeping something like an app or something with me all the time that I can write in and then jotting even just a few thoughts or notes or impressions or feelings. It's amazing to me that when I have more time, I can turn those into something that's, that's worthy or large enough. And the other thing is be really kind to yourself about what, what constitutes or defines a product, a, a content. It, it doesn't have to be 900,000 words long. It can be 300, you know, 200 words or whatever. I mean, I think that we sometimes, I know for me, I get rigid about what I think constitutes a product. And then I don't allow myself to express myself more freely. So maybe, you know, whatever form it comes out as, is I think that you, you have something really valuable to say, and you're going through something a lot of us go through in, in various times in our lives. And it's helpful to have people put that into words you know, in a way you're, you're, you're saying things that maybe the rest of us don't have an ability to say or think. So I guess I'm just saying is that I know, I know that this is not an easy time, but I also know that as writers, we have this unique gift to really help people, you know, to, to speak into things that often people aren't able to even acknowledge. So I just want to encourage you. That's one of the things where, okay, so we were talking the other day in the group about, like, not comparing your workday to my workday or, like, your weekly goals to my weekly goals or whatever. But I also think that, like, you have to take a step back and be like, okay, am I basically making goals that are too big for my situation right now? I do that a lot. Um <laughs> It's the ADD in me that's like, I'm going to plan all these things at 1.30 in the morning and I'm going to get up at 4.30 and I'm going to function and make breakfast. And like, no, it never works. Um, mm -hmm. But, and so that's something that I had to really learn is like, I need to make slow progressions. I need to, I cannot jump from, you know, one medium post a week to five medium posts a day. Um, it's not sustainable. So it's like every time I'm trying like to make goals or figure out like, okay, this is the project I'm working on. It's like, okay, baby steps. Mm -hmm. Like the book that I want that I'm working on now, I wanted to publish in December and here we are in February and it probably won't come out until I would say generously the beginning of April. Um, you know, there's been a lot of life stuff going on. And so like to have the goal of like starting this publishing journey, which I then, I only have like six of them six six or seven of them written so then as soon as I start publishing I have to keep writing them they're not done mm -hmm. and so um you know it's obviously that was a huge goal and it sucked to not meet that goal but my situation didn't allow for it to happen at the time and it probably won't for quite a while so I think Carrie's right it's just about like being um logical and nice to yourself so mm -hmm. and not getting upset when you don't meet goals right and the other thing is we often end up thinking it has to be a blog article or a novel or a, a, a developer or something but 
I'm finding that even just the power of an Instagram post, you know, where you post a photo and then you put down some thoughts and say, anybody else here with me? This is what I'm struggling with today. That sometimes that can be the, we, we have no idea how impactful that is and how important it is. And that's still creation of content. It's, so I, I'm trying to get myself out of this very rigid box of the definition of what constitute credible material. It's all credible. It's all important. I'm glad that you just validated the fact that I take a lot of selfies. <laughs> You're like, it's all important. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, and, and you know, the other thing I heard this week I thought was really powerful. It's when we share our most vulnerable or our moments of failure that tend to resonate better and more powerfully than when we tell people how to do it. You know, we all, all of us get a lot of advice, but how many of us are able to put anything into action? But we are, we tend to relate more strongly when we hear someone's, how someone is surviving through something. I think so. That's like the whole point of gist, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, so yeah. I am curious. I want to know what you guys are working on or what you guys are doing in your writing journey. Jonathan. <laughs> Tell them what you just told me in the chat. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not really working on anything at the moment. Um, I, I've been doing computations. Um, what I just told you in the chat was um, that I, I got results. From, I've been doing the North of New York City midnight uh, computations for the last year. So that's it. Since January last year, I've done a few computations with them. Um, and the um, 250 word microfiction challenge. The results came out this morning for the second round. Um, I only sort of kind of figured out last night badly <laughs> that I should have realized this is that the third round is the final round for this competition because quite often they have four rounds. So I thought there was going to be another one before the final. Um, what that meant was that they went from having uh, like 5,400 people worldwide in the first round down to 1,200 people in the second round and then down to 150 in the third round. <laughs> So they took the top five from each of the 30 groups in the second round um, and I came second in my group so I'm I'm doing the uh the final round on Saturday but it's like, it's kind of like my my bag I like like sort of I do like Twitter fiction and I I like microfiction competitions uh getting into longer stories is is interesting I'm, I'm currently studying with uh University of Cambridge I'm doing creative writing undergrad with them um which has been uh, great, um, uh, but my assignment for that just in January was like four thousand words, and yeah, it's it's a different ball ball game. I respect to people who are writing like you know novels. Like it's it's not something I something I'd like to do, but it's not something I've ever kind of like really sort of heavily pursued. <laughs> um, I think the longest thing I've written has been like twenty thousand, just over. That's awesome. Way to go. Congrats. That's really cool. So and he's going to be a blogger someday when he grows up. <laughs> one day, one, one day Ash is going to hold my hand and carry me through the process of being a blogger. She's tried. We'll, we'll get you <laughs> over that threshold nice and easily. No, it'll be like pulling teeth. It will not be nice and easy. It's nice to carry yourself the exact same thing that Ash has been telling me since like pretty much day one like we met like last year um last year um forever ago um was is that yeah I, I always have to face issue with like not feeling like what I 
I don't have anything to say or, or what I have to say or else I said, but you're absolutely right. Like, you know, everyone has, can, can, can say something that, that will matter to someone else. Right, right. In fact, last week I had a, I had a post do pretty well in sexography. It was, I think 7,000 people saw it and maybe 5,000 people read it. And then a friend of mine went and wrote another version on the same topic with a different title and different, but it's kind of a similar take, but in a different angle. And I thought, see, there's, there's plenty of ways we can say a similar thing from each our own way. And it's going to resonate a little differently. There's always room for more. So I, I totally agree, Jonathan. It's just, it's our own fear, I think, that tends to get in the way of it more than really that everything has been set on a particular topic. Oh, no, of course not. Of course not. Your view is going to be uniquely your own, and I would love to hear your view on something. But only if you read it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's fine. So we can hear his Irish accent, of course. <laughs> oh, okay, Zeta, what are you working on? Trying to stay sane. <laughs> um. Yeah, girl, same. Um, just trying to, to get fat and sassy kind of like established. Um, I'm actually really happy with, um, my LGBT queries pub. Um, it seems like I brought on two other writers now. Um, that's been a learning curve for me, but, um, it's actually helped me free up a little time um, so I can, you know, work on fat and sassy. Um, and I think it's finally, it, LGBT queries will never be a huge pub just because it's so niche. Um, but I really like the comments and feedback that I've been getting. It's, um, it seems like the idiots out there um aren't <laughs> aren't targeting me so much anymore they must have gotten tired of me being happy and cheery in the replies but um so i really like the the feedback that i've been getting and um i think because of that and a couple other writers who write similar um getting bouncing ideas off of them and uh tagging through twitter and stuff like that I'm old, so that took me a while to figure that out. So now that I've got that, um, my little group on Facebook is growing, which I like. Um, and I agree with the whole survey thing, Carrie. I've had more interaction with the very first survey that I ever put up in our group than I did on anything else I've ever put in there. So um, so that's a little bit of a learning curve. Um, but I, I'm excited about the new project. Um, I'm still working on a fiction series with my serial killer who thinks he's a doctor. Um, and that's going really well. The first one is pretty much done. Um, my problem when I write fiction though, like that is I seem to get to know in, uh, the inside of the antagonist really well. And then I kind of feel like my protagonist kind of falls flat um, or is kind of cookie cutter, I guess, comparatively, but eh, I'm working on it. So 
that's what I'm doing. Um, I actually just talked to a friend. Her name is Claire. Um, she's a uh, great company. It's called um, FFS Media, which stands for fuck's sake, um, which I love. I just love that. But um, uh, she's doing like a character, almost like a workshop. Um, and she's teaching classes and stuff like that. And actually um, reached out and wants to be on the podcast. I haven't talked to Carrie about this yet. But, um, and talks about how using Enneagrams and different personality tests to make your character different and unique. And um, uh, I'm pretty stoked about that interview, but um, I'm, I'll send you her, she has a bunch of freebie stuff that you can do. And so I'll send you her Instagram. Um, Cause I kind of feel that way too. I feel like my characters aren't that interesting. Sometimes I feel like, um, and I think that's why sometimes I haven't finished books is cause I'm like, I don't, I don't care what happens to you. Like, why is the reader going to care what happens to you? So um, I guess in a zombie book, that's just when you kill them. <laughs> like, I mean, that's... <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I have a really hard time with that. Carrie, how, like, do you have a hard time with that? Like feeling like they're just like everybody else or just no, almost like not real. Yeah. But then I do case formulations on my characters. So I literally... You know, I, I slow down and develop a kind of like a backstory and an analysis of what 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 drives them. So one thing I was going to offer to you, Zeta, is just feel free to tag me and ask me to, you know, I'd be happy to do that after seeing you know, thousands of people in my life. I, I kind of like have a general sense what drives most people. So um, I think really okay, understanding that helps, you know. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. I just, I, I don't know. I, it fascinates me when the character is messed up. Um, like the why, I guess, why they're messed up. Um, and so then I just feel like, you know, the good guy is, I mean, really, why is he so nice? I mean, <laughs> and then especially if it's a character that's going to be killed off. I mean, how much do you really need to know about him other than they're going to die? Right. Well, enough but, for them to be cared about. Exactly. Exactly. Enough for us to hurt yeah. when they die. And even good characters, good character. I had a colleague of mine ask in graduate school, this was her question. Why does anyone have a child? She was actually analyzing I don't know. why anyone has a child. You know, <laughs> but if you start to think about why you consciously do that, it's always for selfish reasons. We never do anything for a no, there's no such thing as a noble reason. So even people who are good are doing it for selfish reasons. So it's just understanding their defense mechanisms that make them kind and nice and pleasant. It's still an insecurity. That's so true. Yeah. I never thought about it like that. You're yeah. so right. Right. So she becomes, your characters become more interesting when you understand how their insecurities have wired them into being the kind sweet or nice person and it has flaws it won't always work there's going to be there's going to be places where they'll break and and have issues or blind spots because of it oh yeah i mean you think about just a normal just an you know a person who's like a people pleaser mm -hmm. we can't please everybody so eventually there's going to be a disconnect a breakdown a um overwhelm um something right. like Burnout. that where, yeah mm -hmm. exactly mm -hmm. um but when you say like how much, you know, how much do you really have to know about a character, you know, before you kill them or whatever, it, they don't have to be liked. I said cared about, 
Um, and that doesn't mean that they have to be liked or like the care be like, oh, they're, you know, a good person or whatever. The reader just has to be interested enough to care about what happens to them one way or the other. It's kind of like, I don't know if you watch The Walking Dead, but like there are some people that die and you're like, yes. And there's some people that die and you're really sad. And so it just it just enough for them to evoke some sort of, you know, reaction from the reader, right. which sometimes is a lot and sometimes isn't. Um, it just kind of depends. But right, there has to be gotcha. like a shock effect. Right. But exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Characters are. I think they're my weak spot. I be and I think it's because I plot so much more. I don't do a lot of character profiles. In fact, I know somebody actually, and if you guys are interested, I'll, the link is uh, 16personalities.com. So it's www.16personalities.com. It's a Myers-Briggs. It's free. And so I know people who actually give their, have their characters take the Myers-Briggs test so they have a sense of what kind of 16, what are the personalities they have. So that way, and what's nice about Myers-Briggs is you can actually then, like, who would they fall in love with? And if they fall in love with this person, what kind of tension will they have? I mean, there's a lot of analysis on these personality types. So it might help you think about these people in a new way that you've not thought about them before. Or to make sure that they're consistent. Like, for example, if they're intuitive, they're, then they're not going to use information around them as much as they're going to use what they kind of their own gut reactions to make decisions. In knowing that, then that helps you make sure that your character is consistently behaving that way. How reliable is that? Because I feel like I've taken that test like three different times and gotten a different answer every time. <laughs> I think it's, you know, okay, it's pseudoscience. Let's be truthful about that. Um, but but any, any test that you take is only a snapshot in time of that moment. That makes more sense. Yeah. So it's probably yeah, you you're taking answer the same, answer the same questions different times. You're going to get different answers depending on where you yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. That says probably a little bit more about you than it actually says about the test that you're in different <laughs> emotional states sometimes. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that, but yeah, I've I've done that. I've done Myers Briggs a few times over yeah. the last sort of few years, and I tend to get the same. So uh, Ashley needs to have a look. <laughs> <laughs> We already knew this. Like, why are you saying this? Like, this is new information. <laughs> well, I'm kind of now that we said that. Is anyone who's taken the test what do you? What is your personality type? Do you know? Adventure. Um, I don't know what the letters were, but I think. Um, I'm hold on. ISFPT. You're an IN. You're a I. ISFPT. Oh, all right. Okay. There's ISFPT and ISF. All right, I'm an INFJ. Yeah. I think that's what I am. Like, it, it was an INF. Or J's no. like things organized, predictable. P's tend to be a little more seat of their pants. If you're a plotter, you're probably a J. Don't tell me what I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty good at guessing people, actually. I felt like... I'm looking it up now, but I don't remember the letters, but I remember that I was like, oh, um, like, I think I was the protagonist because on the, the website, they, they give them little characters. Right, 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 right. But I'm the diplomat. <laughs> I think that's what I am, but then it doesn't sound right because it says inspiring leaders, and I was like, no, that's not me. <laughs> um <laughs> Well, INFJs and INTJs often 
the female version of I N I R I N uh, S J's. I'm sorry. I'm no. Yeah. I, I'm trying to like remember. I anyway. There's two, and my boys are all the opposite. There's two that like look very similar but come across a little differently. There's a great medium article on that. Somebody wrote how a lot of us women are saying we're INFJs and we're not. But maybe that's what you're flipping between those two. You know, I'll have to look for that article for you. I don't know, but I'm definitely taking this test later. <laughs> and I bet you I, I get a whole too. new set of letters. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're probably not going to suddenly be an extrovert. If you're an introvert, you're an introvert, I'm sure. Well, I used I was an extrovert when I was younger, um, and now I really dislike people, which I shouldn't say to a room full of people. But um, I don't like people in my space, <laughs> so it's a little different. Yeah, it is. But okay, David, do you know what yours up. is? Do you know? What yeah, yours I is? took it a year and a half ago, and it says it's an INFJ. Yeah. Is that good or what not? Well, you're, you're a snowflake <laughs> like I am. You're a I'm snowflake. There's no, there's no good or bad. There's no good or bad. It's oh, just there's no good or bad. Like, no, I mean, literally. Help, really helping you to understand what makes you work. Like, yeah, like exactly. you've been asked a certain amount of questions. You've answered as truthfully as you can. And right. it's given you better, sort of hopefully a bit of insight into your personality and what drives you. It can be quite eye-opening. Right, right. And INFJs are the most rare occurring is what I mean. But I think INFJs are a lot of writers, to be honest with you. I think that we tend to be attracted to writing. So I think we're going to be more likely among writers to be that. So I'm a snowflake because I'm rare, not because I'm flaky? Is that what exactly. you're Exactly. That's what my point was. You're just unusual. You're a snowflake because you get bitter about Poland. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, Ashley. <laughs> I'm a millennial and a snowflake, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, yeah, and and Zeta, I'm an INFJ as well, so. Yeah. so well, two I'm in two rare rare snowflakes in this room. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe it's not that rare, guys. <laughs> Maybe it's not. Maybe we just like to think <laughs> we're, we're extra special. No, I do have to say that there is something to be said for like a like minds congregating. Um, no, noticing that like you know Carrie Gabby and me who all have spectrum tendencies or are on the spectrum ADD those types of things like we all tend to congregate and I noticed that in the community that we were all kind of talking about that um so it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of our personality types were the same um you know it just kind of happens that way like so pretty well, cool. for example the end the end is Do you think intuitive. that's within almost every Oh, one or the do, other. Do you think that's within like every group? Like, do you think like um, congregates with like often? I, I think so. I, I but I I also think that that it's the writing itself is drawing us, making us similar. Writers are in their heads. That's what it ends intuitive. That mean an S is the opposite of an N. So an no a T. Uh, yeah, it's either S or an N. So S's are using their sensory input to take in information. N's are not so much relying on their senses. They're relying on their interior ority, their reflection, their their hunches, their their unconscious 
ness and their gut to sense something. So um, I, when you think about writing, we're listening to ourselves a lot. So not that every writer is going to be necessarily like, for example, Jonathan said he's an S. Um, but I bet you that's maybe why he's finding blogging a little harder is because he wants, he see, he said, I don't know what to write about. He's struggling with at a sensory level. How would he draw the information? Whereas you and I would say, hmm, I'm upset about this today. I'm going to write about that. So we're coming, <laughs> it's from coming from our inside more. So that's, anyway. That's yeah. me every morning. So, this made me mad. Like, <laughs> yep. Did you do the head bob too, Ashley? <laughs> yeah I do <laughs> no it's funny because I I just um I had a moment today because I haven't watched it yet but I saw the preview for Sia's movie about autistic people um it made me cry because it really well they they hired a girl to play the autistic character who's not autistic so it really just kind of looks like they're making fun of autistic people and it got slaughtered in the reviews so far and on Twitter and all these different things. I'm going to watch it just to write my own review of it. But um, that is exactly like I went to talk to my mom after I was done crying and I was like, this is ridiculous. And I, I do bob my head when I get upset. Just a long, long answer for should have been a short answer. But I actually had a question about that. OK, so I'm going to talk about Jonathan a little bit. So he is a musician and he used to be an entertainer. Or is an entertainer. He's very entertaining. So is that the S part? Like he's more, or what part of the, because like he's outgoing and I'm not, and like I'm just comparing his letters to my letters basically. In, in, Jonathan, <laughs> you're an ISFP, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. I score, the thing is, I, a lot of these tests, I score quite high in introversion, but I also then, and some, some like things like the Big Five, I score quite highly percentage wise in extroversion which i get like i'm i personally i'm quite introvert but i when i'm on stage completely different story right, right so right. it's like i sort of like compartmentalize it so i'm quite extroverted in, in many ways um but i think my natural tendency is towards introversion i, I even think we misunderstand what introversion is introversion isn't shyness or uh an inability to interact with the world it's it's the level of effort it takes to sustain that effort. In other words, it doesn't feed me to do this. It takes, it's like for me to do something like this is working out. Whereas when I am reading, I am being fed. It regenerates energizes me. Whereas for an extrovert, this would be feeding them. And yet if we ask them to be quiet, they would feel drained. It, they can do it, but it's, it's a, it takes energy for them to do something that would for me, refuel me. That's to me. I think that's the best way to understand it, introversion versus extroversion. Is really nice way of looking at it. Yeah. So, so we're all out. We all can be outgoing when we want to be, and we all can be really quiet when we want to be. So it's really not a measure of that so much. But so the second one is a measure of how we think about things, uh, and are we taking it in through our senses? Is that how we're informing ourselves about the world, or is it from something that we intuit within ourselves? And so Jonathan, for example, would be taking information of what he sees and hears and smells and what happens around him. Whereas I might be thinking, thinking more about what's happening inside of me to sort of sense something. And then the next one has to do with feelings versus thinking. And that's how we tend to generate that one. I'm a little more vague on. I think, I think 
feelings tend to be more feeling based, more aware of how I feel about something that day and thinking tends to be more analytical about it and more logical to us F people, T people tend to feel a little colder to us because they're more rational. They want an argument or a defense for something where I just sort of like feel it. Well, it feels that way for me. And then the last one has to do with how we like our structure and our world. And P people tend to be a little more uh, pantsers in, in terms of life. They tend to like, so they, as a result, they tend to be a little more, they're, they're not as concerned about structure and organization and predictability as people who are J's. They, who, it's called judging, but really it's, that's, I don't know why we named it that way. J's more like things organized, predictable. Uh, they want to know the rules. They, they like the structure. So that's kind of a real loose way. And I know those who are studies, uh, study this would say I probably didn't do it fair, but anyway, that's kind of a big overview of them. So I don't know if I answered the question on Jonathan or not, but I think, you know, um, so I think his inspiration, I guess is what I was really talking about, his inspiration may be what happens around him, you know, maybe how you feel because you're an F, but it also may be what, what you, what you're, what you're, what you did today and, and what happened in your world today, not so much as how you woke up and felt today. I don't know. I may be completely off base on that, but that's just. It's interesting because lockdown doesn't have a lot happening in my days. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. What I find interesting about the, the, um, the, is the additional element of turbulent versus the sort of, as they got the extra, because I've got the ISFPT. Yeah. And I'm just looking at it here. It's like this trait underpins all of us, showing how confident we are in our abilities and decisions. And I'm 78% turbulent. <laughs> I am too. I'm and it's like, yeah. And that's versus assertive. So I'm like, I'm not assertive. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. God. Exactly. Me either. <laughs> I have a feeling a lot of us are teased in this group, but because life is turbulent, our life is turbulent, our personalities are turbulent. But um... I think I'm going to start doing that. I think I'm going to do this for my characters in my zombie book. It would be really interesting. The, I'd the love to have you characters. come back and yeah, share what you find out and how what difference it makes when your character development. Well, now I'm not going to do it because you gave me homework. Oh, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to activate that part. Sorry. I'm just curious. I'm just literally curious. So I'm curious. What would a, would a psychopath even, would that be in any way true if a psychopath took a test like that? Or would that not? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was married to one. I know what his uh, Meyer Briggs was. Well, so okay. Allegedly, so like he's allegedly a psychopath. Okay, allegedly he was one. Yes. <laughs> are they, are they common? Like, are is there a common combination there in the Myers Briggs that would you know like equal psychopath? Or I don't think so no no no. I think they could be any of it. I have a feeling that they probably are more likely to. No, I don't know. Now you got me thinking. I'll have to get back to you on that, Zeta. Now I'm gonna. Okay, now you got yeah. my my little homework assignment. But that is, that I do is like the really I, I like the idea of knowing that about the characters, like no, like being able to base their decisions on like actually that person wouldn't intuit that they're not they're not intuitively led. So that, yeah, I really like the idea of actually having well that character is just going to be based really based on this is the way the facts are laid out as opposed to using the gap. Right. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I th that's, that, that's the other thing. There is no one definitive psychological test that can absolutely define every condition. So, sociopathy is another separate syndrome that's really not being captured by Myers-Briggs type indicator. You know, and it wouldn't even, I'm even thinking of the other tests like the MMPI, which is a classic that's been around a really long time. Yeah, they're going to show up. There's going to be some, there's going to be some markers that will, that will appear, but I bet you not every sociopath has those same markers and they would be there for varying degrees. Like for example, one is paranoia. Well, some may be paranoid others may not be. You think that they would be smart enough to like fake their way through something like that? They could, but also those, a lot of those now, Myers-Briggs is still pseudoscience, so it wouldn't have, a lot of them have lie detector indicators on them. So for example, mm -hmm. if you are trying to fake overly good, it would pick it up. And if you're trying to fake overly bad, it would also pick that up. So if you're skewing your answers, those, those, a lot of those tests know that you're doing that on purpose, that you're skewing them. So, yeah, and, but I think there is a test out there. Now you've got me thinking about that. I, Cause I, I did a, a series of blogs years ago on so, sociopathy and uh, psychopathology or the, yeah, the um, uh, psychopathic, I don't, can't say that word today, but anyway, they do have a certain way in which they do view the world. And um, I think there, there may be, there has been some studies. They do know that the, functional EEGs on these people look different. They show up different when you look at their brain, you know, when it's functioning, how it responds. There's parts of it are a little underactive or overactive. So it's interesting. That's crazy. I've been watching a lot of documentaries. Yeah. They're, they're neurodivergent. I don't know if you know that, that it's, it's a neuro, they also are considered a neurodivergent group. Well, I'm going to stop using that term to describe myself. <laughs> yeah, because it, it includes, uh, yeah, soci sociopathy, uh, autism, uh, ADHD, and I'm sure there's others as well. There are, we're all in neurodivergent. I, um, I watched the Night Stalker one on Netflix, which was the most interesting thing I've ever seen because there's like no pattern, no nothing. The victims are all different or whatever. And it's, it does, it, I mean, it's not my thing. I would not write about it, but like, it is very interesting to think about like what makes their brains do the things that it does. And when you watch the documentary, they totally just, you know, childhood trauma, bad life growing up. I'm like, no, it's not there that there's gotta be more, right? Like, I mean, we, a lot of people have crappy childhoods. Right, so, exactly. You know. And they're not all killers, exactly. Yeah, wow. I, I love no. Dexter, for example. See, some of them have moral codes. Some of them don't and some of them do. For example, take the mafia and the cartels. They have a very strict moral code. So they they may actually look like they have um, have morals. They do. It's just not the same ones that you and I would run by. You know, it's loyalty to the family, you know, things like that. They have a code of conduct. Exactly. So it, sh it show up as morality. It's just not the same morality you and I had have. Yeah, that's weird mm -hmm. to think about. Not all sociopaths have morality. Some of them do, some of them don't. Dexter, for example, did. I know, I'm going to argue that with you because I don't think he really did. I think he was just given one. I don't think well, he like had a conscience. 
Well, then why did he struggle the way that he did in the last later sessions or the later episodes about his uh, who he was killing and why? Remember, he struggled with that. Did I say poor writing? Could be. Or, or it could no. be that he, he himself had some observation of himself. I don't think so. I think he does. I think she, okay, so I think she's got me there. Because, like, in the beginning, I think he really doesn't care. He's just trying to do what he's been taught. But he does kind of evolve over the course of the series. And so maybe he has a conscience well, it, the they, yeah, they play a lot because I love that. That series changed my life, really. So I love that series. And uh, he he had that imaginary representation of his father and, the, and they keep bringing that back. And then his relationship with his sister, the complexity of that. So that that ends up being those internal symbolic representations end up how he wrestles with himself. So that's what it looks like. But. Have you read the books? No, I haven't. I would say it's definitely a primitive. I have to read it. It's definitely a primitive moral code. I wouldn't say it's very, there's a, actually uh, Kohlberg's uh, lay, low, uh, levels of morality. I would say he's very immature in his development of a conscience. That's for sure. It's not Don't you level. feel like he followed that so-called code because it kept him out of trouble so he could continue doing exactly what he was doing? Exactly. That's a low-level uh, morality reason. That's why do you do it? Because I won't get spanked. But it's still a beginning of a higher moral code. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. It's not none. It's something. I don't know. Is that really a moral code? If it's like, I'm not, like I'm not doing this not because it's wrong, but I'm doing this because self-preservation. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how it starts, though. It's got to start somewhere. That's the beginning of a moral code. Hmm. So what you're telling me is my children have no moral code. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that. <laughs> no, no. I'm just, it just, it just, it kind of makes me, because you said immature, and it, it does make me think about my kids. My kids yeah. in the beginning, especially Graham, who doesn't understand really right and wrong. Um, you know, he's all like, He's not going to do something, not because he knows it's wrong, but because he's going to go on timeout. Like, right, <laughs> so, right, but that's right. interesting. Right. That's very interesting. This has been a very interesting conversation, guys. Yeah, it's been a fun first AMA for us. Okay, so one last question for you guys. Is there anything um, that you would like us to do or like to see kind of develop within the podcast and the community or one specific topic that you want us to talk about um either in the group or on the podcast um that's kind of what I'm I'm looking for um I've we've made like a list of topics that we're going to cover coming up but I'm I'm wanting to cater to you guys before we cater to anybody else so yeah that was a really long question but that's the question <laughs> no just dead air <laughs> wow i think from where we are right now we're going to kind of start breaking down like the specific steps that we're going to be taking into self-publishing um we've kind of covered a few different topics um but um, now it's going to be more um, 
I don't know what, intentional? Yeah, or how um, to, it's more specific. More like a roadmap, basically. So if you listen to them in order, you know, by the end of it, you should know. I mean, you should either know what you're doing or realize that we screwed something up. <laughs> yeah. And the nice thing is that we're doing it at the same time. So we're kind of going through it as we're doing it. So that's that's helpful. Yeah, we're not coming at this from like an expert point of view. I mean, blogging and stuff like that, we kind of do. But like when it comes to like self-publishing, we've both done it before, but um, we're coming at this as like beginners. So it's more of like a a do this with us than a I'm going to teach you how to do this Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of thing. So I I think the podcast is I I love it. You guys have such a perfect uh, back and forth and the topics that you've covered, especially like the the branding and the theme, which theme I had never even considered before, um, like as a separate thing from branding, but it made total sense um, that episode. But I, I I really like the podcast. I think you guys are doing a great job. Aww, I Thank like you. hearing that. I'm pretty stoked. We have um, a newsletter expert coming on. Um, not we're gonna record not this friday but next friday by the way carrie um she just messaged me a little while ago but um her name's tammy she wrote newsletter ninja and so she's gonna come on and we're gonna talk about you know automations and the basics as well as like ninja tips and tricks so i'm pretty excited about that um i'm really excited about that and i'm really excited about interviewing um claire claire is on the sell more books show the podcast and um with brian cohen and uh i'm really excited to have her come and talk about character stuff i think i think you and her are going to be great to listen to i'm not even going to talk on that one carrie you can do it (laughs) so it's gonna be cool well thanks guys um i'm really excited and we're gonna do another one of these next month um if you guys have questions in between them you can always ask them in the discord um, or if there's something that you want to cover with us, um, you can leave questions in the AMA form too. And, um, that's it. I have to go put my kids to bed. So. Yeah, it's been great. You guys really fun hanging out with you and I look forward to next month.